morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I want to ask you one question to be thinking about. Did you do anything for the Lord this past week? Did you talk to anyone? Did you influence them by your actions? You know we influence people one way or the other, so I'm hoping and praying that we influence them the right way. But you know, a lot of people in the world seem to say that I want to stand up for God. I'm going to stand up for God. I'm going to do what's right. But the first opportunity they have to keep them from actually having to do it, they'll, they'll take it. Story, I think I've told it before, but I happen to just run across it again and talk and looking through some stuff. It's, it's really got an impact. Because when someone does something openly for the Lord, it kind of makes you feel good. But you know, when a group of young people does something to bring the Lord into their lives, it really makes you feel special. Especially because, you know, that generation is on the right track. But undoubtedly there was a good mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, somebody that got that young generation on the track. It said they walked, they walked in tandem. Each of the 92 students filing into the already crowded auditorium with their rich maroon gowns flowing, their traditional cap, they looked almost as grown up as they felt. Dad swallowed hard behind broad smiles. Moms freely brushed away tears. This class would not pray during the commencement. Not by choice, but because of a recent court ruling prohibiting it. The principal and several students were careful to stay within the guidelines allowed by their ruling. <clears throat> they gave inspiration on challenging speeches, but no one mentioned divine guidance. No one asked for blessings on the graduates or their families. A solitary student walked proudly to the microphone. He stood still and silent for just a moment, and then it happened. All 92 students, every single one of them suddenly sneezed. The student on stage simply looked at the audience and said, God bless you, each and every one of you. And he walked off the stage. The audience explored in applause. This graduating class had found a unique way to invoke God's blessing on their future with or without the court's approval. This is a true story. It happened at the University of Maryland. It shows here that these young people, they could have easily went along with this court ruling and kept quiet about adding God or saying any praises to God. My text this morning is out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 16. But before we get into our text, I want to look back at the Old Testament. You know, few people give, uh, give credit that the influence we have on the lives of those around us. Some people say, I live my own life, I do my own thing, and I don't, don't influence and don't try to influence other people. Well, try to or not, we're going to influence people. Maybe it's our grandchildren, our children, our co-workers, people around us. We're going to influence people. The things we do and say impact the lives of those that we come in contact with. But you know, we can take it even, and that's what I'm going to do this morning, take it just a step deeper. Sometimes our influence spreads to people we may not have even seen. That's why I want to kind of look back into the Old Testament and get a lesson from the text. 
Let's take a look from history of the matter of from the Old Testament. But we're talking about Jeroboam. Following the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel was divided by two rival kings. Now Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, took his father's place upon the throne. Yet, when he was asked to reduce the burden his father initiated, Rehoboam vowed to increase the burden to the point that Solomon's burden would seem light. The people naturally rebelled. Only one tribe acknowledged Rehoboam as their king. Now, because of Solomon's sins, God had selected Jeroboam to lead the rebelling tribe. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, we're starting in verse 26 through 40. And Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, and Ephronite of Zerela, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeru, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king, Solomon had built Milo, and repaired the branches of the city of David, his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out to Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they, too, were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment, that was with him, and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will send the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of Zenonians, Chemos, the god of the Moabites, Malim, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgment, as did David his father. Howbeit I will not, not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make thee prince over all the days of his life, for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandment and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a life always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy son desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, and thou wilt hear, hearken unto all, my, all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes, my commandments, as David my servant did. Then I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give thee all Israel unto thee. And I, and I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. Jeroboam rose and fled to Egypt, and Shishak, the king of Egypt. And he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. We see here, as I said, because of Solomon's sins, God had selected Jeroboam to lead the rebelling tribes into it. But now notice back at verse 38. Verse 38 said, And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all 
that I command thee, and will walk in my way, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel into his hand. We notice here that the restrictions that God had placed on Jeroboam. Now Jeroboam, if we see in, for time's sake, we're just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit for we see in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25 through 32, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt after Solomon's death, but he did not obey God. Notice the lack of trust, undoubtedly, he had in God. But note, we also notice the substitute religion that was similar to the old, but with changes. Of course, this angers God. We see that in 1 Kings 14, verses 7 through 10. Anytime we change God's word or change God's command, it's going to anger God. We see in 1 Kings 14 and 16, 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 16. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin and who made Israel to sin. We see here that God also knew the influence of Jeroboam's sin would have on Israel. Now we see in 1 Kings 15, verse 25 and 26, that Nadab became the next king. And where did, Adab, where did Nadab learn his evil ways from? From his father, of course. Nadab was assassinated by Baasha, 1 Kings 15, 28 through 30. We ask the question, did Baasha learn from history? No. According to 1 Kings 15, 34 and 1 Kings 16 to 7, Baasha repeated the same sins. Elah, the son of Baasha, became the next king, and history repeats it again, itself again, according to 1 Kings 16, uh, verses 8 through 13. And then we come on down to uh, Zimrah. Zimrah didn't learn the lesson of following God according to 1 Kings 16, 15 through 19. You know, imagine that. This man was able to serve. He was able to reign seven whole days. And he already proved to God that he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. Can you imagine just seven days? I can remember back to my first day of serving as mayor that I was still getting over the odd that I was elected by the peers to serve and that I had this responsibility. But this man, not only was he able to do that, but he was able to prove to God that he walked in the ways of Jeroboam in just one week. Now Amrah, the next king, was no better, according to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. And then we see in 1 Kings 17, 29 and 33, his son Ahab, that we have already heard about because of his famous wife, Jezebel. He and his father did not simply repeat Jeroboam's sins. They went beyond them. His son, Ahazah, learned from his father. 1 Kings 22, 51 and 53. What I'm getting out here with these kings and all is that their influence is going right along. They're influencing their sons. They're influencing people around them. We can go on and on through this. But every king of Israel repeated the same pattern established by Jeroboam. Eventually, God delivers Israel into the hands of the Syrians. We see that in 2 Kings 
17, 20 through 23. We often talk about the influence for good that we need to exert. We need to set the example of good, but we need to also consider the impact the evil pers a person does. Jeroboam did, this, did it out of fear of losing his kingdom. The decision to sin was not contained in his lifetime. It can, continued on for hundreds of years. Now think about how many lives were lost because of his sin. Think of how many lives were influenced to do evil because of uh, Jeroboam's fear. Now our lives are not con contained to just the time that we have here on earth. We influence people every day with our words and with our actions. What we need to uh, worry about influencing people, we need to worry about our words, we need to worry about our actions, <laughs> is the ability to take other people to heaven with us. When we, if we uh, end this, our life here on this earth, and we prepare and uh, be ready to go to heaven, we should have lived our life, our actions, our words, and our words. We have others that are planning that same trip with us because of our influence on them. The influence may be good or it may be evil. But according, if we would turn over with me to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, tell us we're going to have some kind of, of influence on people. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out, be trodden under the foot of man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And we are told in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know one thing I love? I love grits. But I just can't eat grits without salt cooked into it. They say, well, you know, just pour your salt in it after it gets served to you. There's a big difference in adding salt to grits after it's been cooked than cooking grits in it. And that's the same thing with our life here. We can go out and just live the way we want to, and then when we get to the end of it, add that little salt to it and say, well, you know, hey, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is what, that's not what was telling us here. It's telling us here that we are to be the salt of the earth. It don't say that we're supposed to just be salt, but it says the salt with the full flavor, the salt with the full savor, because it said if the salt had lost its flavor, it's useless. That's the same thing with our lives. If we don't go out and talk and tell people exactly what God's Word says, read it to them, pervade them, not adding to it or taking away from it, then what we're telling them is not going to do them a bit of good. God's Word is here for us to help others with. We cannot avoid influencing others. So the question is, I asked earlier, what have we done in our life? The way we attend services will set a pattern for our children and others that we know. And if recreation has more important than serving God, it's a wonder that others follow our footsteps. If prayer only is only occasionally engaged, it's a wonder that others do not pray as they ought to. Revelation, turn with me over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Revelation 14 and 13 tells us plainly here, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that ye may rest from your labors and their works.
earth do follow him. It tells us there that our influence here on earth is going to follow us. So it says that our, and it uh, follows us. Our work will follow us. Even after death, the influence of a godly uh, father, a godly mother, a godly grandfather, parents, grandmother, grandpa, whatever, will carry on in our children. The influence of a godly person can bring others to Christ, and that change will impact generations of people. In other words, a, a godly pa a parents bring their children to church. Then uh, those children and, and lead them in God's way. And hopefully those children will bring their children and so on and on. We have to prepare the next generation for living godly tomorrow by living righteously today. The Bible records the name of, of a lot of influential people. For example, Noah, Abraham, Job, Moses, Joseph, Paul, Peter, and Timothy all set forth faithful examples for us even today. Lot, Ahab, Jezebel, Judas, Demas, they made their impact as well. So in closing this morning, I want to ask you a simple question. How will you be spoken of in years to come? We just spoke of this morning on some of the evil ways of Jeroboam. When your eulogy is given and even after that when people talk about you, how will you be spoken of? Will you be spoken of that well, he, done every, he or she, they done everything they could in their power to live the way God told them to? Now, sure, they made mistakes. But when it was revealed to them, they quickly got forgiveness for them. Or are they going to say, well, they attended church. You know, someone just saying you attend church, that's a good thing. But really, what is that saying? If all you do is just attend church when the door is open and that's pretty much it, go back out in the world and all you do is join in a social club. We have to come together, praise God, study with one another, encourage one another. When we leave here, we should feel like we're still, when we go out into our workplace now, we should feel like we're still in, in uh, Sunday services with our, our church families. But even more than what will be spoken of you here on earth in years to come? The final question I want to ask you this morning, even more important, is how God will find you in the day of judgment. Will you be departed on the left or the right? Will you be welcomed into God's flock, or will you be told to depart? He never knows you. If you haven't been baptized this morning, you need to be baptized to have forgiveness of your sins. Or maybe we've all been baptized, but for some reason or another, we allow the devil. He's good. He is good. I'd, I'd love to be a, a fisherman as good as the devil is a fisherman of men. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're hungry for. And his tackle box is full of whatever bait it's going to take to get you. Maybe you've stepped out of the way. You need the prayers and the encouragement of the brother and sister to help you get back on track. And when someone comes forth, we should automatically in our hearts say, what can I do to help that person? We should automatically say, Lord, bless that person. 
We should never say, whew, I wonder what they've done this time. Whatever you need may be. You need to be baptized or maybe you need just prayers and encouragement of the congregation to get back into the right track of the Lord. But we're told when we take the Lord's Supper, we need to examine ourselves. I'm going to tell you, before you take your last breath, we never know when it's going to be. You better have already examined yourself and got your relationship with God. But whatever your need may be this morning, we ask you to come and we stand the same. Our song of invitation.